Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the fourth Sunday of Easter, also known as Good Shepherd Sunday. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, lead us to a share in the joys of heaven, so that the humble flock may reach where the brave shepherd has gone before, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter said, Rulers of the people and elders, if you are questioning us today about an act of kindness to a cripple and asking us how he was healed, then I am glad to tell you all, and would indeed be glad to tell the whole people of Israel, that it was by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the one you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name and by no other, that this man is able to stand up perfectly healthy. Here is your presence today. This is the stone rejected by you, the builders, by which has proved to be the keystone. For of all the names in the world given to men, this is the only one by which we can be saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The stone rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. The stone rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his love has no end. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in men. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. The stone rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. I will thank you, for you have given answer, and you are my saviour. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the work of the Lord a marvel in our eyes. The stone rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. Blessed is the name of the Lord, is he who comes. We bless you from the house of the Lord. I will thank you for you have given answer, and you are my saviour. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his love has no end. The stone rejected by the builders has become the cornerstone. A reading from the first letter of St. John. Think of the love that the Father has lavished on us by letting us be called God's children, and that is what we are. Because the world refused to acknowledge him, therefore it does not acknowledge us. My dear people, we are already the children of God, but what we are to be in the future has not yet been revealed. All we know is that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he really is. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. I am the good shepherd, says the Lord. I know my sheep, and mine know me. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. 
Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd is the one who lays down his life for his sheep. The hired man, since he is not the shepherd and the sheep do not belong to him, abandons the sheep and runs away as soon as he sees a wolf coming. And then the wolf attacks and scatters the sheep. This is because he is only a hired man and has no concern for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for my sheep. And there are other sheep I have that are not of this fold, and these I have to lead as well. They too will listen to my voice, and there will be only one flock and one shepherd. The Father loves me because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own free will. And as it is in my power to lay it down, so it is in my power to take it up again. And this is the command I have been given by my Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So today we have Good Shepherd Sunday, um, and it's known as the World Day of Prayer for Vocations. Uh, Now, um, apart from being the parish priest of Brooklyn Park, Richmond here in Adelaide, um, I'm also the Vocations Director for the Archdiocese of Adelaide. Uh, So today's a a bit of a special day for me, um, and I hope a really wonderful opportunity for all of us to pray for an increase of vocations to the priesthood and the religious life. Um, And I figured that today maybe it'd be worthwhile just telling you about my vocation story. Uh, now, I apologise if it's something that you've heard to death, but I'm not tired of speaking of it yet. <laughs> so I'd have to say that when I was a kid, uh, I wanted to be a priest. I would have been about six, seven, eight years old. Uh, and I think the reason why uh, was pretty shallow. <laughs> you got to stand up the front, you got to dress up in special clothes, and everyone listened when you talked or at least pretended to anyway. After that, um, I changed a tire with my grandfather on his car and uh, then I wanted to become a mechanic. So (laughs) I don't quite know how deeply this vocation was, Um, but you know what, it was still there. There there was still something there. Um, So after that, uh, it kind of persisted. Like it was always a little bit of a nagging question, but when I hit sort of high school, teenage years, it became a pretty resolute no. Uh, I remember thinking, you know what, Lord, like if you call me to the priesthood, I'm just going to say no. That's going to be my answer. Um, and I've got to say, a lot of that had to do with cowardice. Uh, I couldn't imagine kind of standing up and telling people I'm going to the seminary. Or um, I couldn't imagine walking down the street, uh, you know, wearing a clerical collar or something like that. Um, it, w- it was just too out there and I, I didn't want to face the judgment or disapproval of other people. Um, and so it really, it was just a solid, no, nah, can't see myself doing it. I, I couldn't see myself brave enough to do it. When I finished school, uh, I went to university uh, and studied a, a degree in commerce. And, uh, you know, university is a, a really challenging place. Um, I suppose uh, in some ways I'd, I'd been a bit sheltered by family, by school, Uh, And then all of a sudden confronted with a whole bunch of ideas that were so different to mine. And it really posed a a challenge. Um, What do I believe? 
Uh, and why do I believe it? I mean, I knew what I'd been taught and I knew what my parents believed and, and, and what they held to be true. Um, and it was in that inquiry phase that, that the faith really became my own. Uh, it wasn't just something that I was taught. It was now something that I held with conviction. And I think that was a real turning point in opening up the possibility of hearing God's call. Because at the end of the day, it's personal. Um, and we heard that in the gospel, um, you know, I know my sheep and mine know me. Uh, so I think, you know, that was sort of the first major turning point, really, in, in being open to hearing a, a substantial call from Christ. Um, so I was going through university and, you know, interestingly, it occurred to me that this whole question about priesthood had kind of lingered this whole time. I mean, even in those times when I was you know, making a pretty overt no, um, I mean, that's already an answer to a question. <laughs> you know, if that question wasn't there persisting in, in my heart, uh, well, what would I possibly have said no to? No, it was there. Um, my heart just needed to be softened. And I think the thing that really made the difference was um, I started to pray more. I'd been on pilgrimage, uh, and, and that had really kind of awoken uh, a desire to pray. Um, and we had adoration in our parish um, during the day. Uh, and, you know, I'd be on my way to or from uni, and I, I remember I, I just couldn't pass the church without calling in, without um, spending a little bit of time uh, in prayer. Um, and, you know, my devotions kind of upped a little bit. I'd be praying the Stations of the Cross and the Rosary and things like that. And it got to the point where this question about the priesthood, just it just needed to be addressed. <laughs> I needed to open up the whole question again. Uh, and there was a bit of an event that really sort of provoked that too. Um, there was a jobs fair. I was in my last year at university of the, this commerce degree. Uh, and there was a jobs fair and, you know, the major accounting firms and, uh, and you know, investment banks and all that. They, they all set up stalls and were handing out their material, you know, and they were getting a bit of a look at the graduates and I remember sort of walking there thinking, I don't want to do this. <laughs> it, it just didn't seem enough. It seemed, uh, it seemed a bit shallow. Anyway, um, this persisting question uh, that just needed to be dealt with about priesthood, I thought, you know what, I've actually just got to set a bit of time aside and do some discernment. So in the mid-year break, so between semester one, semester two, it was sort of our winter, um, I decided to go to the US. Um, there was a congregation of priests there who ran a discernment program for uh, for young men who were thinking of the priesthood. And, and I thought, you know what? Go there, spend a month in prayer, um, do a bit of discernment, and then we'll see where it goes. Anyway, I got there, and it turned out that this group uh, decided they were going to go to World Youth Day. This was 2002. Uh, and World Youth Day was being held in Toronto in Canada. And we were in, um, we were in uh, the northeast of the United States. So not too far, just a bit of a bus ride. Um, and I, I must say, at, at first, I wasn't hugely enthusiastic. Um, I wasn't really a big one for youth groups at that point. Um, but you know what? John Paul II was a hero of mine. So, you know, any chance to see him, that was okay by me. So we piled in the buses, went there. Now, if you've ever been to World Youth Day, 
uh, you don't go there for the luxury. <laughs> uh, it can be a bit Spartan, uh, and, and some of it's a bit of hard work. We walked about 12 kilometres um, from where we were staying to uh, Downsview Park, where the uh, final papal mass was going to be celebrated. Um, and you do that on the Saturday. You spend Saturday night uh, outdoors, uh, you know, so that everyone's in place and ready for the mass on Sunday morning. Now, I went to the United States not knowing that I was going to World Youth Day, so I wasn't especially prepared for that night out. Uh, and um, Canada, even in the summer, not the warmest place on earth. Um, so it was kind of cold that evening. But apart from being a little bit chilly, uh, at about six o'clock in the morning, it started to rain uh, and properly rain. <laughs> And we were standing on grass, uh, and that grass quickly turned to mud. Um, so my shoes were filled with slosh. And then the wind picked up, uh, and this rain started to come in sideways. And it was at this point that I'm thinking, man, they're just going to cancel this show. Uh, you know, the Pope, well into his 80s at this point, and not well. I learned a good lesson, though. Never underestimate Pope John Paul II. <laughs> because there he was. He turned up, came out, and, you know, he got a bit wet too, I'm pretty sure. He made a little joke about us receiving a, a natural baptism from God. Uh, but I'll never forget this. It was when the Gospels started to be read that the wind dropped, the rain had stopped, and the clouds kind of parted, and this sunshine just came through. And I'll never forget this bit. The Pope, he started his homily. Uh, and, you know, John Paul II had such a facility with languages. He was just flipping between Italian and French and English. And, uh, but this bit, this bit was in English. And I, I think there was a very important reason why. You see, 2002, it was the immediate wake of the beginning of the child sexual abuse crisis in the United States. And... He started to address this question in a rather subtle way. Uh, and he encouraged young people to stay close to their priests because, you know, they were there to serve. Um, and then he said this. He said, and if any of you feel that Christ is calling you to the priesthood, he said, don't be afraid to follow him along the royal road of the cross. Now, I remember standing there and thinking, oh, that's nice. But... In what I can really only describe as a movement of the Holy Spirit, just like a couple of seconds later, it hit me. And hit me with such incredible clarity that this was exactly what Jesus was calling me to. It was an invitation. And it's funny, I, 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 I felt it as such. An invitation. It wasn't a command. It wasn't, you know, you will do this. It was, will you do this? And you know what? Like right there and then, uh, in Downsview Park, 2002, Toronto, um, that was when I said my yes. I don't know. I think I got a, a, a kind of unique grace that day um, because that conviction of uh, having been called by our Lord never left me. I, I always kind of... I knew that this is what God wanted me to do. Um, and, you know, a lot of the guys in the seminary, they'd, they'd kind of, you know, have moments of, you know, is this my calling? Is it not my calling? Am I called to this? Can I live a celibate life? And, you know, all of that sort of stuff. I, I never really had that. Um, now, <laughs> my enthusiasm about that 
uh, vocation, you know, that, that sort of went up and down a little bit from time to time according to the challenges that I was facing. But, but to know that that's what God wanted me to do, that was always there. And throughout the seminary uh, and, and since I've been ordained a priest, and, and I've been a priest nearly 10 years now, um, I've been incredibly blessed. It's just been extraordinary. Um, and it makes me think of, of my great hero, John Paul II. Uh, he wrote uh, a little work called Gift and Mystery uh, about his own vocation, his own calling. Um, and in that little work, in that little book, he speaks about his calling being a gift. And, you know, as, as my own vocation has kind of unfolded, I'm starting to get what he means. You see, at the beginning, the, the, the question for me was, well, um, what does God want from me? What does he want me to do? You know, how does he want to use my life? But it turns out that that's just been the wrong question all along. It's not even close to what God wants from me, but so much about what he wants for me. My vocation has been such a gift that this is the way that God has chosen to bless me in my life um, and has become a way to bring me to heaven, to, well, hopefully anyway, <laughs> but for my sanctification. It's not so much that I'm there doing favours for God, but that this is the way that he loves and blesses me. And I think for anyone who's discerning a vocation out there, that is the heart of the question. It's not so much what does God want me to do with my life, but how does he want to bless me? What's the gift that he longs to entrust to me? Whether it's marriage and family, priesthood, religious life, whatever it is, the good shepherd isn't the one who fleeces his flock isn't the one who's so captured by his own self-interest that at the face of the wolf he runs away. No, the good shepherd is the one who lays down his life for his sheep, who longs to give life to his sheep. So, whatever it is that the good shepherd calls is going to be for us, for our life. So, in the words of the great John Paul II, if any of you feel that Christ is calling you to the priesthood or religious life, don't be afraid to follow Christ along the royal road of the cross. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.